Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm so happy. I'm just so overjoyed. If you are a long-time watcher of Ups and Downs, you can recall years ago when I got pieces of paper, it's a true story, and I wrote, save Rusev on them or something, and I stuck them all over my body, and I stuck them all over my face. Because I thought Rusev was a player or a potential player in the world of professional wrestling, and I couldn't quite figure out what WWE was doing with him. And now here we are in May 2021, and he is the new TNT champion... And the way he's being portrayed at the moment, who the hell is ever going to beat him? But that was the ending of this week's episode of Dynamite. So before we talk about that match, we have to talk about everything else. And we do that using the fop, the finger of power, where we give the good bits an up and the bad bits are down. My name is Simon Miller. Welcome to What Culture Wrestling. It is Thursday. AEW did have another Dynamite. So we've got to do exactly what I just said we were going to do. Let's up those doubts. world we are living in because the very first person we saw on dynamite last night was yuji nagata and even if you don't know who that is all you do need to know is that he's 53 years old and you don't survive in the wrestling business for that long if you don't have something about you i mean it doesn't just happen and moreover he was fighting john moxley so once again if you knew anything about these two you could just sit down and think to yourself well i'm about to see some ass kicking and ass kicking is what you got and yes Mox's new entrance music is now wild thing you remember that song wild thing so on and so forth which has caused the internet to melt down now one did i personally prefer his old entrance music well i think i did two in a week nobody's gonna care but also if you are a brand new fan and you hear a song you're familiar with you'll probably look at john moxley and without even realizing go well now i like that guy too that's just how it works Having licensed music is always smart. As usual, it started off by these guys punching each other in the face before Nagata just booted Mox right in his nose. And I kind of realized at this stage, Yuji Nagata is a little bit like your crazy dad who you would never ever mess with. They spilled to the outside pretty quick when Moxie jumped off the apron with a knee right into Nagata's back. And then unfortunately, he went for one dive too many because Yuji stopped it and just went to town on his ribs. He gave him an exploded suplex. If you like stiff wrestling, this was for you. Saw New Japan's Rocky Romero and Lance Archer and Jake Roberts in the crowd. So I don't know if we're going to do anything with those latter two. And then really, back in the ring, they were just 
kicking lumps out of each other. And when I say kicking, I mean kicking some of Eugene Nagata's kicks. I think he forgot what pro wrestling is. When they were done with that, they started trading submissions because Moxie was going for the bulldog choke, whereas Nagata was going for an arm bar. And I think at this stage, John Moxie realized, wait a minute, I'm in a bit of trouble. So he just started to knee Eugene Nagata as much as he can before he smashed him with the paradigm shift. That was too much for his head. One, two, three. As ever, it was a good opening match for AEW. There was a terrific moment afterwards, though, when they bowed to each other in the ring. And my word, the feels, deep down in my tum-tum, I was feeling all warm and fuzzy. And if they wanted to do this every single week for at least a couple of months, I think I'd be all right with it. And that's why it's getting it up. Had an interview with Ortiz, Jake Hagar, and Sammy Guevara straight away. And the big talking point here was about who was absent because Santana got arrested because he did use a fork last week. So at least we have some kind of consequences in all elite wrestling. And also Chris Jericho, he was murdered after being pushed off a tall structure. They were pretty sad about all of this, which is why they want a rematch with the Pinnacle. And they also thought MGF was a giant piece of shit. There was a lot of truth in what they said. It was then time for our interview in Big Double or Nothing reveal with Cody Rhodes. My word, if you don't want to see a bunch of people melting down, do not go on the internet today. Now, yes, I admit it wasn't what I was expecting, but to take what Cody said and shorten it a little bit, he doesn't appreciate the fact that Anthony Agogo has come over to the United States to live the American dream and then crapped all over the country. And sure, this was very patriotic and was a little bit old school wrestling as you had the foreign heel. But the thing that people seem to be confused about is, well, where did all this come from? I don't understand. I mean, last week, Anthony Agogo draped the United Kingdom flag, the Union Jack, over Cody Rhodes' lifeless body. And if you've been watching anything else that Anthony Agogo has been doing, I mean, honestly, just go on his Twitter. He's been like, America sucks, I hate America, long live the Queen, I just want to go home. And if it had just been on Twitter and Facebook and social media, you'd go, well, that doesn't work. But again, he draped the flag over Cody Rhodes. You don't have to like the direction that it's going in, but they've made it pretty clear. It also worked because the go-home line for Rhodes' promo is when he said, for one night only, I'm not going to be the American nightmare, I'm going to be the American dream, which ties into all of this and, of course, has a nice sentimentality to it because that's what his dad was called and we all know the narrative there. And sure, yeah, it's a little bit cheesy and a little bit of a wink and a nod to the past, but if we get to double or nothing and Anthony Agogo takes his gun fist and rams it right into Cody, Cody Rhodes' stomach, Cody Rhodes goes down, and then Anthony Gogo gets his first big win. I really don't understand what the problem is. If it's not for you, that's Fabu. And there's something later on that I'm going to talk about, which you go, man, I can't believe you said that. But as for this, it was fine. Up. Had a great video afterwards with SCU talking about their history with the Young Bucks and how disappointed they are now with Matt and Nick Jackson. And as ever, you know my deal with this. If we had only done more of this kind of stuff on Dynamite in the lead-in, I would have probably been melting down before this match took place. Unfortunately, I can't say that anymore because Matt and Nick Jackson had this whole thing on BTE recently and they're like, oh, we should have done it on Dynamite. But it's still true. It was then time for this though and flood me sideways. What an enjoyable ride it was. Up. Nick Jackson and Kazarian just started by slapping the crap out of each other because the hatred is real. And even though Matt Jackson was trying to goad them into doing something stupid, Christopher Daniels and Kazarian are a well-oiled experienced tag team. They weren't going to fall for that, so they were able to get on top. It took Matt, who was not the legal man, to interfere so that our tag team champions could then be in control, including Christopher Daniels being powerbombed into the apron. Now, if you do not know, Mr. Daniels is 50 years old 
What a crazy tamale. These two know what they were doing though, so they were able to smash out this power bomb neck breaker combo. When of course they were distracted by Matthew Jackson. And here's what we need to do. If you are an upcoming professional wrestler, I want you to go and find some kind of a room and then get some scientists and ask the scientists to make as much noise as possible outside of your room. And you have to practice just concentrating on whatever you're meant to be concentrating on. So if you hear some music, you don't look at the entranceway. If someone's jumping around outside the ring, you don't look at it. Just try and win the damn match. Later on, there was this vicious super kick onto Daniels too, whose head went careering into the ring post. And I don't know if this was planned or not, but the amount of blood that came out of his head was ridiculous. And if this was the hard way, flub me, it was brutal. This looked really bad. This then allowed the Young Bucks to go after Kazarian because Christopher Daniels was probably dying on the outside. But Kazarian, knowing that his tag team future in jeopardy was having none of that, and he hit this double Northern-like suplex thingy, and he actually tried to pin both of them, but very sadly it didn't work. Horrendously too, he then did have the match won after using the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up. But then that damn Luke Gallows, that damn Luke Gallows got on the apron and he distracted the referee. And I will just point to what I said a few minutes ago, but start doing it with the refs. You kind of knew what the outcome was going to be from that point, even though Kazarian had another great near fall after a Stars clash. And then there was another great near fall where Kazarian got hit with a super kick and Christopher Daniels, all bloodied, was back at the last second to break up the pin. The Young Bucks were then mimicking the whole WrestleMania 24 Ric Flair versus Shawn Michaels spot because Matt Jackson was like, oh, I'm so sorry, I love you. You, but trust me, he was definitely taking the piss. But then Christopher Daniels kicked out of that. He hit the BME. And honestly, that was so close to the three. Like the flipping geek I am, I bought it. Thankfully, Christopher Daniels was able to beat up the Good Brothers a little bit because you needed that satisfaction. But then the Young Bucks got that weird cold spray. They sprayed it right into Christopher's face. They donked him on the head with the can. They hit the BTE trigger. And that's it. SCU lost. You're never going to see them again. Unless you go to a convention or something and they're walking together, but not in the ring. The real heartbreaking bit is that Kazarian was so close to breaking it up, but he wasn't able to make it there in time. And then what happened next was truly weird. Because I was all ready for the big emotional goodbye from these guys that you always get in pro wrestling. Everybody else could have left, gone to the back going, ha ha ha, we did it. And then Christopher Daniels and Kazarian stand in the ring. They look all sad. Blood is running down Daniels' face. As the fans go, you deserve it, or whatever the hell they shout, and it would have been a lovely time. But we didn't get it. Instead, we just cut straight to the next thing, and even though there was like a little recap of it later, that's not the same. So we kind of took what should have been this incredible moment, and it just evaporated into dust. I was a little bit disappointed. I mean, sometimes if you do get the destination spot on, the journey actually does play second fiddle. And we did drop the ball here just a little bit. I wanted to love these guys, and instead it was stripped away from me. Let's gotta get it down. It was quite funny though, because the video we were cutting away to was John Moxley and Eddie Kingston just destroying the elite's dressing room. I mean, they looked like they were having the time of their lives, and it was a big wink, wink, nudge, nudge to what we're gonna do at Double or Nothing, but we can talk about that in a bit. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We then went to a Christian Cage interview, which was also a little bit bizarre, because he was all like, man, I've got an open contract and Tony Khan has given it to me, so next week I'm going to fight someone from Team Taz. And also, by the way, there's going to be a casino battle roll at Double or Nothing, and guess who's in? That's right, it's me. But then from nowhere, Matt Seidel just walked up and he went, actually, you're not going to be fighting anyone from Team Taz, because I signed that deal instead. So I was like, was this contract just lying on a table where anybody could walk up and put their name on it? And also, I thought we had a decent story here. Christian Cage works his way through Team Taz and then gets a title shot or something. And look, Christian Cage versus Matt Sardell will be great. But it was just a little bit confusing. I was then super pumped because we were getting Pac versus Orange Cassidy to see who was going to become the number one contender to take on Kenny Omega at the pay-per-view. And then sadly, life got in the way and reality smacked us in the face. Because while it was great for a long ass time, at some point, be it from the Liger bomb or when they did a sunset power bomb to the outside, Orange Cassidy smacked his head into the floor and he was most definitely knocked out. So the match basically just stopped, as it should have done, but you never want to see that. Everybody, including referee Aubrey Edwards, just stalled for time, and they did do the best what they could do. And the kind of crazy thing was the actual planned finish was they were going to go for a 20-minute draw, and then at the pay-per-view, it would be a triple threat match. Calling an audible, though, Don Callis came out, and he started cutting a promo, and then Kenny Omega appeared, and he just walloped Pack in the back of the head with his title. So Aubrey had no choice but to count to 10, so they both lost, although they kind of both won, or there was no result. So anyway, we're still getting the three-way. Now, we're not going to give any ups or downs to this because a man genuinely got hurt, although I think he actually is okay, so thank goodness for that. And really, given where they had to go, I actually thought everybody involved dealt with this pretty well. The only real shame, outside of the fact somebody got injured, is that I love when AEW goes to 20-minute draws or any kind of a draw because you teach the fan base and you teach the audience, hey, it's a sport, and that kind of thing can happen, and you never get in WWE. I can't remember a time I ever saw a draw. But yes, it's not what you or I or anybody was hoping for. But hey, ship happens. And what counts is that everybody, I think, is all right. Thank goodness for that. It was here when the Bucks of the Good Brothers found their destroyed dressing room. And honestly, you've never seen anyone so despondent to have their things chucked around the place. But they were so wound up, Matt and Nick Jackson said, next week, we're going to take on the Varsity Blondes because they're the number one contenders or they're at the top of the rankings. But at double or nothing, we will take on John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. We all knew we were going that direction. And I'm glad we haven't changed course. We then got another match in the books for the pay-per-view because we were talking to Adam Page, who was flanked by the Dark Order. And he just went, look, I did lose to Brian Cage, but really I lost to the entirety of Team Taz. So, Brian, let's do it again at the pay-per-view. I suppose that's going to happen. The pinnacle was then out to the ring to get their kicks, given the fact they murdered a bunch of guys last week. 
I mean, whatever floats your boat. MGF was also wearing a flipping crown here as he said he's the new king of the company because he had destroyed Chris Jericho. And from now on, he's just going to get better and better and better. And no one is going to be able to stop him because look at the crew he's got backing him up. Maxwell continued on with the fact that the inner circle has nothing left because, yes, their leader is now deceased and the other one is in jail. So they're not getting a rematch. They're not getting nothing. And even if they try and come close to the pinnacle, I don't know, they'll just stab him in the face. Whatever the hell they want to do. Tully Blanchard then let us know that he'd bought on everybody a watch. And I was like, well, that's very nice of you, Tully. When all of a sudden, out came Jake Hagar, out came Ortiz, and out came Sammy Guevara. And they were driving some kind of truck. They also had some kind of wagon that they were pulling from behind. And from nowhere, Chris Jericho popped out of it. And even though he did have like a massive casting majig on his arm, I was just a little bit like, you got pushed off a building last week. I think maybe you should have been off for a couple more weeks. They demanded another match when the Pinnacle said no. As it turned out, this truck had some spray-like structure on the front of it, which Sammy Guevara then used to spray down the Pinnacle with Chris Jericho's bubbly. So yeah, it was Stone Cold Steve Austin all over again. It upset Maxwell so much, he changed his mind and said, look, here's what's going to happen. At Double or Nothing, we are going to have the same match that you lost last year. It's going to be Stadium Stampede, but if you lose it this time... You have to break up forever. And all of this was really fun. And I always enjoy using things from the past and bringing them into the future. What I don't get is why are we doing another stipulation match only weeks after we did a stipulation match? And if you knew you were going to do that, why not do blood and guts at double or nothing and then build a stadium stampede down the line? Also, I really doubt the pinnacle are going to win two on the banks, mostly because I don't think the inner circle is going to break up, which means when you come out of double or nothing, we're kind of in the exact same position we would have been anyway. And I could be completely wrong. Of course, look at me. I'm a bald nerd just ranting and raving on YouTube. But I thought we were going to divide everybody off here and continue the feud that way. This all just feels too smudged together. That's why it's got to get it down. We then just did the best sit-down interview with Britt Baker. Jim Ross was hosting it. He's always good at these things. Let's get it up. You just need to go watch it. Because Britt went into this whole tirade about how good Sheeta has been for the women's division. Given how awful the world has been over the last 12 months. But when it does come to this division, she's the heart. She's the soul. And damn it, she's the pulse. The point being, when you have a pulse, you don't need a machine to keep things going. So honestly, Britt Baker and Miro just need to meet up and exchange lines. Because both of them have been on fire recently. This is also why she will become champion at Double or Nothing. And this is exactly what we have to do. In fact, if we didn't do it, I think I would lose more hair because I would be so surprised. Thunder Rosa was then back on Dynamite. While it's always very pleasant to see her, it was also a little bit strange as she had this big match with Britt Baker and now she was just back and she squashed somebody called Jasmine Allure. They just finished after the Fire Thunder Driver and I think she's going to take on Serena Deeb soon. But yes, from a storyline perspective, this really did come out of nowhere. But it is nice that she's back. Jade Cargill is still trying to be recruited too. Because we were having an interview with her here. And she talked about how Mark Sterling on AEW Dark had also tried. But she's the mega super bitch or whatever she says. So only she will decide who is worthy enough. And that is such a good question. When you look at Jade Cargill, you're like, she doesn't need a manager. I mean, she looks like she could rip anybody's head off. But we are going somewhere, and I have absolutely no idea where that is. Maybe you get in Professor X. We then had what could be my favourite AEW Dynamite main event in ages. Boy, howdy, did I have a good time. Because it was Miro versus Darby Allen for the TNT Championship. And before this, we had this whole video with Darby, whose basic point was Miro. 
what the flub have you even done since you've come to AEW? Do you even know who you are? And I tell you, by the end of this, he definitely regretted saying that. I mean, even before the bell, Miro just murdered this poor boy as we saw Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky watching on. And then he made the referee ring the bell. He hit Darby Allen with the Matchka kick. And honestly, for a split second, I actually thought it was going to end there. He got a pretty close near fall. Allen was still able to fight his way back because, of course, that's his whole character. That's his whole gimmick. And then he gave Miro the best dive I have ever seen. I mean, he literally just threw himself at the man before they collided and bounced off each other. There was no attempt to catch him. And it was so well done. And it was so well executed. We should just retire this maneuver now. Nobody in the history of the human race is ever going to do it better than this. Darby then went for the coffin drop, but Miro caught him and gave him a German suplex on the floor. When all of a sudden, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page were here and they were beating up Sting. Alan must have been really worried about his dad, as anybody would have been. So he tried to choke out Miro. And even though at one point Miro got to the ropes, Darby Allen wouldn't have this at all. So they spilled to the outside. And then Miro was trying to grab the title to smash him in the head. The ref was like, no, you're not allowed to do that so Miro just took both of them and ran them right into the wall and that doesn't do it justice this was a horrible impact there is no way it couldn't have hurt Miro was then just systematically taking Darby Allen apart I mean he was throwing him around and he was ragdolling him and we just have to say bravo to AEW because admittedly when Miro first came into the company no one really understood what he was doing but now he comes across like the most dominant man in the entire universe. Father Sting was cheering his son on. There was this great moment when they gave each other a fist bump and it built to this near fall where Darby Allen went for the coffin drop again. Miro stopped it once again. He went for the German suplex, but this time Darby Allen landed on his feet and he went for the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. I mean, it must have been 2.999999 recurring. I was going nuts because I'm a weird person. Then we had another one when Miro got hit with the code red. This was one of these times I was so happy that somebody just kicked out of it. And Darby Allen all a flutter was like, you know what, I'm going to tap him out with an armbar. But he should never have done that. Miro is too much of a hoss. He threw him down. He applied the game over and bless Darby Allen right down to his toes. He tapped out almost instantly, which has just put that move over something fierce. It did mean we had a brand new TNT champion. And look, I'm just going to be honest with you. I've been a fan of Miro, Rusev, whatever the hell you want to call him for years now. And finally see him get his due in this way when he did come across like a monster. I was so damn pleased. And admittedly, it would have been nice if we had some kind of a, oh, he's done it, but we weren't able to enjoy this at all because all of a sudden, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky were back out there. They were beating up Sting. Then the Dark Order ran out to chase them away. And then Lance Archer was here and he was pointing at Miro. So I suppose that's his next match. And this was all fine, but I would have preferred it if I could have just savored the moment more and Dynamite went off air with Miro going, it's me, I've done it, I can't believe it. But here's what we need to do now. He needs to kill everyone. And when I say everyone, I mean everyone. Kenny Omega, The Bucks, Britt Baker, Sheeta, Tony Schiavone, anybody that gets in his way, he just destroys. Honestly, I've been waiting for this ever since he took his shoe or whatever it was and chucked it at Lana and said, you're a wet fish. You remember that weird summer. It was a very strange time. He now feels like he's about to smash through the roof and I couldn't be any more pleased. It also left me feeling so excited for what was going to come next. And when any kind of wrestling show does that, you getting it up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.